Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for October 13, 2021. Today's topic is how to guarantee an amazing customer experience. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. You can email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And with that, I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, you know, an experience guarantee of good customer experience goes beyond merely warranting a product against defects. It really encompasses the entire customer journey to promise an experience that really never falls short of expectations. In those situations, customer loyalty skyrockets because people trust your brand, your product, your service. Uh, But that trust is earned not by the occasionally wow moment, but by being remarkably consistent, something that can be difficult to do. And that's why we wanted to talk more about how to guarantee an amazing customer experience. And we brought in an expert on the topic for you, Jeff Toyster, author of the book, The Guaranteed Customer Experience. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I I was doing my research. I think this is the third time that I've joined you. So despite all the things I did wrong on the other episodes, you've had me back. So thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're very forgiving, Jeff. (laughs) Actually, the other episodes were great successes. People loved them. And so uh, we're really, really happy to have you back on. And just for those who didn't catch Jeff on the other shows, uh, I'll give a little bit of an introduction. He's a best-selling author who has written four customer service books, including The Guaranteed Customer Experience, How to Win Customers by Keeping Your Promises. He's a former contact center manager, trainer, and frontline agent who has been recognized by Global Gurus as one of the top 30 customer service professionals in the world. And uh, thousands subscribe to his uh, customer service tip of the week email and have taken his video-based training courses on LinkedIn Learning, including uh, the one on customer service foundations and phone-based customer service. So, Jeff, we're really delighted to have you on yet again, and hopefully not for the last time, uh, but part of a continuing series. And uh, I have your book in front of me, in fact. And so how about if we just start with some basics? How do you define customer experience? Well, I, I want to thank you for asking me that question. And, and the reason I, I appreciate that particular question is there's a trend in the contact center world where we're renaming the contact center or the customer service team, the customer experience team. But we're mm-hmm. not doing anything different. And, and I think that can be a little harmful. And here's why. The definition of customer experience, this is not mine. I, I wanted to find somebody else's definition. And I turned to my friend Annette Franz, who is a customer experience expert. Her definition really resonated with me because it, it's, I'm going to paraphrase. So Annette, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I don't get it word for word. Uh, but it's essentially all of the touch points and interaction that a customer has with a brand over uh, their entire uh, experience. So it's not a single interaction. It's, it's the accumulation of all of your touch points and interactions and how you feel about them. And yeah. so you know, the reason I, I'm so glad you answered, asked that question is that it's much broader than just the customer service or customer experience team. 
It's advertising. It's delivery. It's the product quality. It's how we use the product, post-sales support. And customer service is a part of the overall customer experience, but it's just one part of it. So thank you for starting us with that question. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I think it's important to uh, dig down into it because you could just sort of say, oh, well, everybody knows what we're talking about when we talk about customer experience. But that's not really true because we have to look at it, as is always the case, from the customer's point of view instead of from our point of view. And uh, you mentioned two things that I think are very important. In other words, uh, you know, there's all the, the, the touches, right? And I think we have to think about, when we're thinking about the customer experience, the memory that lasts of those touches, right, and the feeling about those memories. So we've got memory and we've got feeling, and therefore constructing that is, uh, means that you have to do the sorts of things you talk about in the book in terms of, um, you know, making sure that that customer journey, that customer experience is really something that will uh, stand out to the customer. Um, you know, a customer experience is very broad, you know, and so one of the things I would ask you is how can organizations create a guarantee around something that complex? Well, part of our, our challenge is to get specific. So just as, as uh, we need to get specific about, you know, what does customer experience mean? What are we actually talking about here? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're trying to, to create a guarantee for an experience, we need to be very specific about what we're actually guaranteeing. And, and I think the starting point for organizations is to focus on the customer and understand that a customer is not really buying your product or service. They're buying a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. So if I'm buying a plane ticket, I'm not really buying a plane ticket. I'm buying a way to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm buying a new pair of running shoes, I'm not buying the running shoes, really. I'm, I'm buying the ability to go out for more runs or, or improve my fitness or, or do something else. And mm-hmm. so if an, an organization understands the problem their customer is trying to solve, and it's a problem they can actually solve and solve well, then you can create a, a guarantee. And there's, there's really there's three steps to that, that guarantee. One is a, a specific promise to solve that problem for your customer. Mm-hmm. Two is to take action to make sure that you're actually keeping your promise. And three is recovery. And, and what I mean by that is you no know business will be 100%. And so when something does go wrong, you have mm-hmm. to understand that problem the customer is trying to solve and restore faith and trust uh, in your customer's mind. Like you said, that, that emotion and that memory that, hey, they will take care of me the next time. Yeah. That's right. And, and actually, you do set out in your book really well uh, the promises, the action, and the recovery components of all this. And um, how, about, how about if we go through those, uh, if you could talk about the promises in terms of what you say you'll do to resolve your customer's problem. And if, if I could uh, just, you know, um, include the fact that there are problems and then there are also situations where the customer is calling in to uh, scratch an itch, if you will, that's very positive for them. So, uh, for instance, our colleague here, Alan, went on his honeymoon recently, 
and, uh, you know, had a really good experience with regard to setting up his honeymoon. And um, so some of those, those things, when we're talking about memories and feelings, right, some of the feelings can be, well, I'm calling in, and, boy, my anxiety level really went down, and I feel so much better because of the service I got. In other cases, it's I'm really excited about this possibility to get those running shoes or to go on my honeymoon, right? And so uh, the good customer experience fits into that positive uh, feeling as well. But uh, I've said enough here. Let me let me go back to you with regard to the, the, the promises to begin with. Well, I, I, let's let's unpack this a little bit because you, you make some some really great points that. I think in the contact center of the customer service world, we often think of a problem as is something that's gone wrong, um, but that's not necessarily true. It, it's something I'm, I'm trying to do. And, mm-hmm. and so I think framing it that way is, is, is good. Uh, when it comes to promises, then what we're, what we're really doing is, is we're telling our customer, hey, we can take care of this for you. We can assure you, and that's actually the definition of a guarantee is, is uh, a, a promise intended to provide assurance. So whatever you're trying to do, whether it's, it's book a honeymoon trip or get a new pair of running shoes so you can get in shape or just enjoy a nice meal at, at your favorite restaurant, uh, the promise that brings customers in is something that says, We've got you, and, and I'll give you an, an example. Uh, there is a chain of gas station convenience stores in, uh, primarily located in Texas called Bucky's, and they understand probably more than, than any other gas station that when a customer is on a road trip, the thing the customer really worries about is finding a clean restroom. And so what have they done? They've, they've built their company, their advertising is, is around, hey, we have clean restrooms. If you go to their website, it says world's cleanest restrooms that's the promise that as a road trip as a road trip customer that's what gets you to stop at bucky's versus another place that says hey we've got gas or uh i know you have to pee right now but we have seven different kinds of soda like that's not why people are stopping 40 percent of americans have said when i'm on a road trip i need a clean restroom right that's the thing i worry about the most so bucky's understands that and that's how they get people to come in now The thing that I haven't shared with you is when you get to Bucky's, their restrooms are not only just clean, the typical Bucky's restroom is bigger than most convenience stores. It's enormous. It's clean. It's in perfect working order. There's plenty to go around. There's no line. There's no waiting. And then once you exit the restroom, you realize they have more of everything else. It's, and so there's a lot of other elements of the, of the experience, but it's the restroom's that get people to come in. In fact, 46% of Yelp reviews about Bucky's mention the restrooms. So that's their starting point with that promise, hey, we have clean restrooms that gets people to come in. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, you said up front that uh, 40% of the people said that, you know, they were looking for uh, a restroom when they're on a road trip. If you're on a road trip with your family, there's probably going to be somebody in the car who is one of the 40%. So the actual number of cars, car loads right, that want <laughs> that experience is probably closer to 100% because even if some people don't care in the car, there's going to be other people who do. So that's, uh, that's, that's a big, big thing. Okay. That, that's a great story. Um, 
good for Bucky's. Next time I'm in Texas, I'll try it out. <laughs> um, well, and one of the things you talk about in the book, too, is the, the three types of experience promises. I was wondering if you might go through that for our listeners as well. I think they'd appreciate it. You talk about brand promises, product promises, and personal promises. Could you chat about that a little bit? Sure. And, and this is where, you know, going back to that complexity uh, that you mentioned earlier, uh, as an organization, and if you're listening to this, you really have to think about what is your span of control. So if you're leading an entire organization, uh, you might focus on a brand promise. And a brand promise simply says, this is the thing that customers can count on your brand for. And, and, and all of your products and services somehow tie back to this brand promise. This is what your company stands for. And, and we, could, we could think about you know, companies we like to do business with, and often we, we can see immediately what their brand promise is. For example, I'm a big fan of, of the outdoor retailer REI. And I'll paraphrase, but their brand promise is basically, we're here to help you enjoy the outdoors. And everything they do, is tailored around that. Now, we also sell a lot of different products or services. So maybe you support a particular product or deliver a service or you're a product manager or that's your span of control. We can have promises around what that particular product or service might do. What's its selling point? What, what's its point of differentiation? So we'll, we'll stay with the outdoor theme. Uh, I'm a big uh, avid hiker. And uh, one of the things that I, I, I look for in a backpack is, it, does it store all my stuff conveniently so it feels comfortable and, and mm -hmm. I, I can you know, go for a long hike um, uh, with, with less effort? And, and there's a, a company called Osprey that makes amazing backpacks. And yep. so every pack that they make, there's a specific promise around, this pack is good for fill in the blank with what specific activity you're doing, long hikes. Yeah hot weather, backpacking, you name it. And so that's, that's a product promise. You're going to have a lot of those. And then even individual promises. And, and you know, in the customer service world, we say things all the time like, uh, that order is going to arrive on Friday, or I will call you back in two hours with an, an update. Mm -hmm. And all of us can control our individual promises. So are we promising something of value? And are we fulfilling the promises that we make those are the questions that customers are asking, whether it's a brand, product, or personal promise. And that's how we establish trust with the people mm -hmm. who do business with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great, great point. And actually, interestingly enough, I'm a, I think you know I'm an assistant scoutmaster. Just last night at the scout meeting, we uh, went over uh, backpacking. So, you know, how to back for the new scouts who just joined in from Cubs, uh, went through, you know, uh, how to pick your pack, how to uh, – pack your pack and also uh one of the scout masters was talking about the fact that when he went on his first um uh hike as an adult he hadn't didn't adjust the thing properly and he was just yeah. in agony and then they, they changed and he finally did what he should have from the beginning uh and uh you know and he should have read his instructions all that sort of stuff right and uh he was able to come out with a really good experience from something that started out really badly. And, and I think that also fits in with what we're talking about here with uh, the, the, the promises, uh, because one of the things you have to do is be blindingly clear uh, to, in your communications with people. And uh, that's an area where sometimes people do their best, 
but in terms of actually making sure that the subject of the message, which is the customer, really understands it and doesn't make a mistake with it, it's sort of like saying, okay, how do I make the instructions simpler? How do I make my grammar and my communication style simpler so that uh, the promise is uh, communicated well and then is delivered well? Well, you raise such a good point, Bruce, that um, you know the product can be uh, well-designed and work perfectly well, but if it's not dead simple for the customer to use it properly, then their perception is that promise was broken. And a backpack is such a great example. A backpack is fine, but if it's not clear how to adjust it properly, then we're literally going to be in a bit of agony. And yeah. once you know how to use it properly, so, so part of the promise is not just, hey, we're going to give you a backpack that fits great. It's taking action to make sure that it really does fit great. And then to your point, we're providing the resources and support to make sure that you can actually use it as, as intended. Uh, the consequence of, of not doing that then is, is our contact centers get bombarded with phone calls saying, this backpack is terrible, or uh-huh. I need to return this, or it's not uh-huh. working, you need to fix it, you failed. Right, right, right. And, and, and just to bring that over, that sort of concept, over to the communication uh, between customer and agent, and therefore also between coach and agent, Right, because sometimes the coach is the one who is listening to the call uh, and has things, and, and, and the agent may be there saying, I thought I did everything right. What did I do wrong? <laughs> and in many cases, they didn't really do anything wrong. They just didn't. There was something that they knew. They didn't put themselves in the position of the customer, and they didn't necessarily ask, okay, is that clear? Do you have any questions? That sort of thing. And therefore, the uh, experience, falls down uh, because of the fact that the communication has been incomplete or, you know, hasn't really been as good as it could be. Well, you know, I think we could talk about this for a long time, but I'd like to move on to action because that is the next thing that you talk about in your book. Uh, You know, having made the promise, um, you know, how do you keep those promises? And you've got some really good points on that. So I was wondering if you could chat to us about those as well, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think this is the, the frustration sometimes, uh, especially for contact centers, is that uh, someone else might make that promise, uh, but we have to be prepared to fulfill it. So I'll give you an example. I went to a, a website uh, where I was looking uh, at their products, and I had some questions, and there was a little prompt on the website. It said, uh, we will respond to your chat in 10 seconds or less. So that's a promise, right? Somebody put that yeah. up there and said, we are really fast, and we will help you in 10 seconds or less. Mm-hmm. Well, that gets me to chat. And so I chat, okay, here's my question. Mm-hmm. But the promise was instantly broken because 10 seconds went by, 20 seconds went by. It took more than 10 minutes for me to get a response. Ouch. And when I finally did get a response, the response was incredibly unhelpful. It was kind of like, uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I was asking a, a, you know, a detailed question. How do you care for this product? It's like, I, I don't know. Normal stuff, and, yeah. and so it's not enough to put a promise out there. You actually have to take action. If, if your website says we're going to respond in 10 seconds, you better respond in 10 seconds, which means you have to have the right staffing. And that staff right. has to have access to information that the customers are going to want from you so they can share it quickly. And if you mm-hmm. don't have those things, then that promise 
turns from uh, you know a potential relief, oh, they're going to answer my question, to a source of frustration. Uh, I, I was traveling recently, and, and I saw a billboard similar to Bucky's, uh, but a different, a different company said, we have extra clean restrooms. It's like, ooh, well, I have to stop, and an extra clean restroom sounds fantastic. Uh, those restrooms weren't even clean, Bruce. They, they oh, were goodness. less than clean. So it oh. goes from this expectation we've set with the promise to disappointment when the promise is broken. And, yes. and that's why organizations really have to, to make sure that they're fulfilling those specific things they said they would do for their customers. Mm. Oh, so important, so important. And when that doesn't happen, that's when uh, the third part of uh, your theme in the book is, which has to do with recovery. And you make some really excellent points with regard to recovery. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is usually where contact centers fit in, uh, in in the sense that uh, most of the time, in most instances, when a customer is contacting a contact center, a promise has been broken, or they believe a promise has been broken in some way. And so now we have to restore trust, because that's what recovery is really about. It's convincing the customer that whatever went wrong, uh, not only will it be fixed, but, but you can count on us to get it right the next time. And the way to recover is really to understand that original problem that the customer was trying to solve. Now, um, I, I know uh, many of your listeners are probably aware there was a certain airline that canceled thousands of flights over the past few days, and yep. people are really upset. And if we think about a canceled flight, Recovery is not really like, oh, I'm so sorry, or here's a discount or a voucher for your next flight. Recovery is, what's that original problem? Well, I needed to get to visit my son in college, or my aunt is in the hospital, uh, or I was going to a wedding, and now I'm stranded and I can't get there. Recovery is saying, hey, we've got you. We're going to get, get you there. And, and I'll give you a, a pretty amazing service story from an, another airline that, that really speaks to recovery. Uh, I, I was traveling from San Diego, where I live, to Milwaukee, and that requires a, a connecting flight. Well, mm-hmm. my outbound flight uh, was canceled, and now I need to figure out how do I get to Milwaukee because that's the problem I'm trying to solve is I'm getting to Milwaukee because I, I need to be with a client. And what the airline did, I think, was was pretty fantastic. Um, they didn't try to book me on the next flight because that wouldn't get me there in time. I'd m- miss my connection down the line. Um, they actually booked me to Chicago. Hmm. And why book me to Chicago? Because that's the flight they had available that would get me to Milwaukee on time. And for those of you who don't know your geography, Chicago and Milwaukee are about two hours away from each other by car. Right. That was doable to get me to my client meeting on time because that was the real problem I'm, I was trying to solve. So when we think about recovery, I think we go back to the problem our customers trying to solve, and we have to convince them we're going to help you today, and we're going to make sure we don't fall short tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good story. That's good. You know, one of the things that we found out in a survey that was taken, oh, at least a decade ago at this point, but I don't think anything has really changed, is that people who have their situation uh, you know, actually, it had to do with trying to figure out the uh, loyalty and repurchase probability of 
satisfied and unsatisfied customers, right, uh, on, a, on a, a spectrum. And the number, and I don't have the exact numbers in my head, but it was in the 70s for those people who could be relied upon, if you will, to um, repurchase, okay, based on a positive experience. And on the other hand, if you had somebody who had a bad experience, it went down to like 20 or 30%, and probably those people were those who couldn't go elsewhere for one reason or another. But then the interesting thing was if somebody had a bad experience with a really good recovery, it went up to 80 in the 80s uh, in terms of percent. And it sort of underlined to us the fact that relationships among human beings are relationships. And there are times when you're going to be disappointed by somebody. But if they have a really good recovery, it actually builds the trust that you're talking about, Jeff, because, you know, everyone knows that people fall down. And then how they react to it is really how they're going to be judged. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something you mentioned earlier that a lot of this is about our perceptions and our memories. And the, the example you just gave is there's a little bit of psychology behind that. It's called the, the peak end rule. And, and, and if, if your listeners have not heard about this before, we think about what do we remember the most? We remember our last experience. And the other thing we remember the most is the peak experience. And the peak experience is the experience that's most different, good or bad, from normal. So if you think about some pretty neutral experiences and then you have a bad experience, well, right there, that bad experience is the peak. It's the, it stands out. That's seared into your memory. Uh, but then to your point, and I'm not surprised that, that people become more loyal after a great recovery, if you recover and recover really, really well, that becomes the story that people tell. And it's the gap between that bad experience and that really good experience. That, that is significant. And that is the new peak. And so when you hear people tell stories about great service, so many times those stories start with, well, this was going wrong. But wow, mm -hmm. this company came through. Uh, and in fact, in, in the book, I write about a company called uh, Briggs & Riley, which is a frequent traveler. They make amazing suitcases, and they're, they're incredibly well-designed for frequent travelers. I've had uh, my main Briggs & Riley suitcase for years and years and years, and it's, it's fantastic to this day. But one of the things that they understand is that suitcases will break over time. That's just a fact, mm -hmm. no matter how well-designed yeah. they are. So they all include a lifetime warranty, and they will fix your suitcase whenever it breaks. And I think that's, that's the amazing thing. But they also understand that, that it's not just about fixing the suitcase. It's I need that suitcase to go on my next trip. So they have a number of options. You can bring it to a local repair center who might be able to do the repair quickly. They can send you a repair kit for small things that you can do on your own. Or they have their own company repair depot for more uh, ex extensive repairs. Uh, and you can send it there. So by giving you options, uh, they give you more chances to make sure that you're not without a suitcase when you go on your next trip. Even if you've owned that case for 10 years, they're going to take care of you. Wow. Yeah, well, that's great. That's a great uh, warranty, that's for sure. Um, let me ask you one other thing because we're getting to the end of our half hour here. But um, sure. what can the contact center do about service failures that are caused by other departments? I mean, it's one thing to make promises and keep them yourselves, but when – you're dependent on another silo in the organization, another department. 
Uh, for example, when a product has defects or marketing makes unrealistic promises, um, what do you say to that, Jeff? I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges that contact center leaders face and contact center agents face because it's often another department. I think the way we, we address that is we have to be clear about the way that we address it. So I'll, I'll give you two examples, and this came from the same client. The first time they tried to address it, they, they had some software issues as a software company, and there were a lot of bugs in this new release. And so the way they addressed it was going to the product department and saying, hey, there's a lot of bugs in this new release, and, and we're getting a lot of calls. Well, the way that message is received, if you're on the other end of it, is uh, your new updates are terrible and you just did bad work and you need to do a better job. That's, that's not the intention, but that's basically how the message is delivered. So they, they learned from that experience and they realized we need to come at this in a better way if we want them to, to uh, help us. So they, they, they were able to come back and say, you know, 10% of our call volume is coming from this specific issue. We want to share this with you so you're aware of it. And the other thing, they, so that's the data, and it's really specific, but they also invited the product team to say, hey, we, want to, we get all this great feedback, and we want to share it with you. Let's listen to a few calls. So they actually played a few calls for them so the product people could hear the voices of real customers, and, and it creates a different sense of empathy and emotion. So they're mm -hmm. providing data and emotion directly from the customer, and that's what got the product team's attention because it no longer felt like an attack. It felt like the contact center was saying, hey, we're here to help you. Let's partner together and address our mutual customer's pain points. Mm. And so I, I think as contact center leaders, that's what we have to do when we collaborate with other departments. We have to understand that uh, if we have to reach out to them in most cases and partner with them to make it feel like we're helping them do a better job in their work. Right. Oh, that's a great, great point, really. Here we are sort of uh, supposedly masters of communication. Oftentimes the uh, most difficult communications are the ones inside our own organization, and piercing those silos between different functional areas of the company can sometimes be the toughest things to do. And uh, yet if you do that and the way that you were just describing, uh, and even make a conscious effort to reach out on a regular basis to marketing, to other people, maybe even have a uh, uh, weekly uh, coffee or a telephone call with the marketing folks because they oftentimes are the ones that are tripping us up, right, with their special promotions that we don't <laughs> know about. Uh, that, uh, you know, by reaching across those silos, we can just have such a, a huge influence. Well, Jeff, this has been great. We've unfortunately run it to the end of our time. I know you and I could – continue this for uh, another hour and a half, but uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and for sharing your insights. We really appreciate it. Any, any last things you wanted to uh, say before we th hand things back over to Alan? Well, I want to thank you and, and Alan and everyone listening uh, for having me here. And uh, one thing I will say is that if you'd like to download the first chapter of the book, uh, you can go to guaranteedexperience.com, and I'll spoil the surprise. When you download the first chapter, you will find my personal email address and my personal phone number in there, along with a guarantee that I offer for the book. So you can contact me anytime if you have questions about guaranteeing an amazing experience, and that will get to me personally, and I do respond. 
Okay, and I will just add in here, please don't call Jeff at 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> California time. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, uh, I mean, if that happens too often, he's going to be uh, uh, basically suffering from lack of REM sleep, and that will not be a good thing. But uh, that's great. Uh, so thank you for that offer to our listeners, Jeff. We appreciate that. Okay, well, listen, I'll hand things over to Alan and uh, to, to wrap things up. All right, thanks again to Jeff and to Bruce for your insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows on Hot Topics at BenchmarkPortal.com. Then click on Call Talk where you'll find over 11 seasons of this show. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan Potcotter signing out. Have a great day. Have a great day.